live and I am joined today with Saul Luckman. Um, he is a really good author. I actually have a copy of his book right here and I've been reading through it in the past few days and I've been really enjoying it and he is a simulation theorist and he talks about the idea that we can potentiate our DNA. He talks about uh, sound healing and just it's a bunch of really interesting stuff. So uh, Saul, thank you again for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Brett. I was, I was looking forward to this. You know, you're uh... Your material is very good, so I appreciate your acumen and wanted to have this chat. Thank you, man. Yeah, and I love that I found you and I got a copy of your book here because you talk about a lot of concepts that I also research myself. Like I had a, a cool synchronicity where I recently discovered this like a uh, CIA document that got declassified that talked about something about like our universe being built around a Taurus field. And they have little, di I don't know if you've heard of this at all, but they had like little diagrams in there, how the universe is shaped like a cosmic egg. And then I noticed how like in your book, you're talking about the idea of torsion fields. And like, do you know what I'm talking about with this document? Yeah, I mean, I've heard about that. I've also heard about this. I, I don't know when that was declassified because I've heard people talking about the structure of our reality being toroidal for a very, very long time. So that may just be confirmation of something that was already out there. It could also be some kind of psyop applied to stuff that was already out there, you know, who knows for sure. But I, I do think that my best guess is that the construct, this world, this realm that we're in is based on a, a, a toroidal shape. Yeah, yeah, because I keep seeing that more and more like a cosmic egg, a toroidal shape. Uh, for those who don't know, I, I guess you could say it is kind of almost like a DNA structure. Yeah, it's also like a figure eight. It's an infinite. It's an infinite loop of energy. You know, it's a it's a a structure that has many potential interpretations based on our linguistics. Yeah, and that's kind of what you focus on in, in your work, as you study the idea of energy, and we can use energy to heal ourselves. Uh, so, just give us a little background of like what you have been specializing in and studying uh, with this idea of potentiation. Um, yeah, just give us a background of what you've been working on. Sure. Uh, before I do that, Brett, just let me also add that it's um, the tor the Taurus is also like an H or a Jacob's ladder type of uh, type of um, structure. So that's that's something that I've thought about a lot. Is like you know what are we being shown energetically in terms of our ability to ascend whatever that means, to raise our consciousness, to transform, maybe to get out of here from a simulationist perspective. So anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, it's like as above, so below with the micro DNA strands in our body. And that's kind of how the universe seems to be maybe shaped, according to a lot of researchers. Yeah, right. I mean, even, you know, there's even um, been these DNA hel uh, helixes shown in space through telescopes where these galaxies have twisted themselves into perfect representations of molecular DNA. It's really, really wild stuff. Right. You know, I mean, meanwhile, we have all these people out there talking about how oh, DNA hasn't been proven to exist and all this. And I'm like, well, show me one real thing that's actually been proven to exist that <laughs> someone else can't come out and, and deny or show you the opposite. That's, I think that's the nature of the realm we're in. I have an article on my Substack. It's uh, soulluckman.substack.com, and it's called "Is the Scientific Method Broken, or Did It Never Actually Exist in the First Place?" Yeah, we this, can't even prove gravity exists, honestly. Right. right. So the whole concept is that we live in this entirely perspective-driven construct that is based on our perceptions, and that we can actually use our beliefs and our imaginations to create virtually anything. And enough people, and if you have enough people doing that, they can create massive tupas or memes or egregores or morphic fields that actually take on a reality in this construct. 
Yes. In my most uh, recent video, I, d I just read uh, David Icke's book, The Trap. I don't know if you've looked through that yet, but he talks about this idea of like the little me and the big me. If you believe yourself like, oh, I'm a little me and I got to outsource my opinions to other authority figures, like your reality will, will reflect that back to you to show you, oh, you actually are insignificant. But if you have this idea that like, oh, I'm a big me, like your reality will then reflect that back to you that you actually are like a mover and a shaker. So it's like all about gaining our, our power back. I love that. And I mean, I have flipped through that book and I, I saw some of that material and I really liked it. I don't like the basic concept of the book of the reincarnation or the soul trap. I think the only soul trap is between your ears and it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like uh, my, my friend, Brendan Murphy, who's a, an author and he's a colleague and he actually is a regenetics facilitator as well. He does, you know, the potentiation and other activations for people. He uh, recently put together an article that is a kind of distillation of where he's going in his second book uh, of, of it's called the grand illusion and in that he's 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 just got tons and tons of research on near-death experiences past life regressions and all this stuff and essentially none of it none of it supports the soul trap concept all of this is completely completely made up and is a kind of kind of modern meme and his little article that he just touched on this was um subtitled certain you know uh, another another uh, something another uh, large serving of victim consciousness or something like that that we yes you know. And I, yeah, I like that you said that because with my video on the frequency matrix, which is how I believe our universe functions, uh, the, the memory wipe is very closely related with this idea of like the reincarnation soul trap. And um, I believe that the memory wipe actually serves a function as in it makes us more immersed in this experience. And then once we're more immersed, that's when we gain wisdom. You only truly gain wisdom through experience. The memory wipe helps us actually like be more involved in the world around us. So in that way, it actually helps us because if the point of our lives was just to gather data like a database, of course, the memory wipe would be a hindrance, but it actually helps us to actually learn more because as they say, a wise man learns more from fools, you know, mm -hmm. does that kind of make sense what I'm saying? Perfectly. And it's very much in keeping with where I'm coming from. I keep trying to tell people that this, the idea that we're in a simulation and that the simulation has certain difficulties or problems with it. This means that we're in a good simulation. It's hmm. it's a good classroom. It's a good training ground. Let's make yes. the, let's make the most of it and not whine and fret and try to get out of here all the time. Let's right because it's because it's like if we come from infinite source and we can like create our own realities and stuff in the astral or whatever it is, it's like we're only going to focus on like becoming great and amazing. But if we're dense down in this material world, it's much more difficult to become great. And then we have to learn like, oh, how do we actually become good? And it's almost like maybe we're trained to be a good person here. So then we're also we take that with us in the next world. So we don't just focus on becoming great. Yeah, and maybe in the process we become great. You know, I've talked about some of the levels of shamanism, like in Toltec shamanism, you you go from fear to clarity to power to freedom, and it's that trans transition between power and freedom that would be that you know where we kind of get out of being great and we become really good. You know, we, we give away the power, we become good, we pursue freedom for the purpose of just sheer freedom. And in so doing, we we become something very special indeed, where we go beyond all of it. Yeah. And it's uh, and um, like we were saying earlier, before we started live streaming, it's the nature of this reality. Um, it's very hard to dissect because it seems like as an observer, we have an effect on what we're observing. But then also, I think we can actually find information about this realm. Like in your book, you discuss that there might actually be like um, nine energy fields instead of the normal like seven chakra fields that people oftenly talk about. So what drew you to that conclusion? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're back to epistemological and ontological questions here and the nature of the field and what's being fed back to us. But I did, I will say that I came to that conclusion very honestly. I was doing kinesiology at the time. My partner Lee and I were doing all of this kinesiological research with clients who had were coming to us for allergy elimination technique. It's an energetic technique 
based on the work of Debbie Nimbudrapad and some, there was some other people. I had a teacher and then I was doing it for clients. And really we had all kinds of people coming through this, uh, this office where we were doing this because, you know, they were so de desperate, all these people, you know, GMO'd and jabbed and everything in the world, you know, uh, mouths full of metals and, you know, you know, the whole, the whole shooting match with, with, with bad stuff. So we were, we just had a massive clientele and we were doing all of this research as we were working with people, we were doing kinesiological testing and we began to look at all the data and look at, you know, what was going on that was similar with people, what was different with people. And there were a couple of things that were always the same across all people that we ever worked with. And one of them was that they all had nine chakras. Hmm. And I didn't think there were nine chakras. I thought there were only seven. And the, the testing just kept revealing that there were actually nine. There were actually nine. There were actually nine. At first, I thought I was, I was wrong. And then we, we uh, switched roles and had, you know, some, did some other testing. And so anyway, anyway there, it just emerged that there were actually nine. There were, and you can look at it as, as there being seven primary chakras that are the classic Vedic chakras and then there are two supplemental ones that are kind of above those, if you want to look at it vertically above. So sort of just a, you know, about a foot above the head and then maybe a little bit beyond that. And those have to do with DNA. The, the, the eighth and ninth chakras have to do with paternal and mater, uh, maternal and paternal DNA, respectively. Hmm. And what technology were you using to analyze energy fields? We were using we were using homeopathic vials that were designed for allergy elimination technique, and um, so you could do a clearing with these. For example, you could, let's say, if someone had a, an allergy to sugar, they could hold that vial, and then you could do acupressure on their spine in a very specific way, and it would initiate a clearing. And then after twenty four hours of not getting around sugar, often the sugar allergy would either be gone or it would be much less hmm. just doing this one simple thing. And then we began looking at the relationship between candida and sugar and fungals and metals and emotional stuff, miasms, traumas, everything in the world. And you could actually have a vial for any of those things that would contain the frequency of that thing. You could have a vial if you wanted to for child abuse or anything like that. And, and you could be cleared. What we realized ultimately was that we were still piecemealing. And I mean, eventually we were doing these clearings where we would be attaching all these vials to people's bodies. And this was before it went computerized, but you know, we would have sweatbands and armbands and all kinds of crazy things where we would stick all these vials and people would look like a human glass vial because they would have like 200 vials on their body that we'd be clearing with as we work through like all of the connections between these elements that were making people sick. And then it dawned on me that, oh my gosh, we're, we're not getting to the root of the problem. Duh. You know, we just keep adding vials and we keep trying to chase down what's actually causing these problems. And then I realized, oh, we have to go to DNA. And then when I realized that almost simultaneously, I realized that we had to use sound and we were just using touch and thought. So when I incorporated research into sound, cymatics, uh, sonic frequencies, uh, different uh, world traditions having to do with the power and importance of sound and creating life, that kind of thing. It was obvious there was a connection to, uh, to DNA. And that evolved into an understanding that the five vowels in English, which represent a kind of distillation of the primary vowels that the human makes, those five vowels actually correspond to the five nucleotides of DNA and RNA. Hmm. So when you sing those and think those together in a certain way, we eventually were uh, led to understand and experience ourselves, you could activate a genetic self-healing protocol that involved resetting your own torsion field, your own to toroidal bioenergy field. And that reset allowed for there to be kind of... Um, what I would call uh, non-locally produced epigenetic changes within within DNA, so that you would actually you would actually see genetic patterns changing based on just a single thirty minute activation. You would go over and you would be activating the field, and the field would be changed to repatterning, and then that new field would start instructing 
your body and your physiology and your genetics how to behave differently. So, for example, you go in with a terrible, you know, mold allergy, and suddenly the field is saying this is how to correct that. And you literally would see, I believe if you looked at this in a, in a purely scientific way, you would see genes flipping on and off to respond to that, that new environmental relationship. Yeah, there was a mantra I used to do back in the day. It was something along the lines of um, help me activate the DNA, DNA I need right now that would help me the most in my life. And um, that kind of reminds me of that. And um, so you're saying that the, the vowels connect with certain strands of DNA? Uh, not strands, no, but with certain aspects of DNA, the, the, the nucleotide bases that make up the DNA. So nice. the structure of DNA is based on five. Uh, it's really a four. The RNA has an extra, an extra element, but RNA and DNA work together. So the in, in totality, the five you have the five, um, the five aspects. It's almost like the five, you know, the five pointed star. It's like the Vitruvian Man. It's our foundation. Mm -hmm. One, hmm. two, three, four, five, you know. So so I know that there's a lot of people out there that have recently taken a substance that changes their mRNA, and some might be worried about that. Uh, would your technique help those people? You know, I have an article on my Substack. It's called Immunize Yourself Against VA, you know, that word, injury with the regenetics method. And it details my experience and my theory. I, I go back into Leonard Horowitz's work who wrote uh, an amazing book called Healing Codes for the Biological Apocalypse back around the late 90s. It goes into how genetics can be harmed by certain things like what we're talking about. And um, so I'm a, I'm a believer that many illnesses that people would call autoimmune illnesses are a result of that. And it as well as other things like foods that are modified and dental toxins and that kind of thing. So if you put all that together, I believe you can end up with a kind of autoimmune condition. And what I saw in myself, because I was really sick for the better part of a decade, I saw in myself and then I've seen in so many clients, I mean, literally at this point in time, there've been thousands and thousands of people who have experienced this work and we have you know just a, a massive body of testimonials and that's just our testimonials we have independent facilitators out there you know with their own testimonials and the th things that are happening uh, with their clients are just extraordinary it just there's just a lot of reason to believe that this work is doing something to reverse the kind of damage you're talking about yeah okay good then that's a very needed thing right now um, and I like, like in your book as well, how you talk about, um, let's see, like, I was about to say something too. I know that you brought, you bring up a lot of history to back up your claims, how in like Brahm, Brahman in the beginning, he spoke a word and then the Tao Te Ching, uh, they talk about the beginning of humans being created by the word, the Popol Vuh. Uh, you just seem to have a really good knowledge of like reading ancient history and how it connects to now and how the ancients understood that we are material but then we step we have a foot in the spiritual realm and um do you think science is coming around to actually understanding that the fact that we are dual natured there's spiritual and material no i think science is in a massively retrograde period right now that it's mm -hmm. becoming more and more materialistic which means it's further and further from the truth yeah i'm not I, seeing I would, mm -hmm. i'm sorry yeah, I'm not seeing too much breakthrough either. <laughs> With like Neil deGrasse Tyson is still popular and Bill Nye, the science guy, they will never come to this. No, 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 no. Now there are there are scientists like there's a there's a psychologist um, uh, who does does a lot with science. Donald Hoffman, who's into simulation theory, for example. You have people like Bruce Lipton uh, showing us, you know, the epigenetic functioning of uh, of our, our beings and how that relates to consciousness and belief you know he wrote a book called the the biology of belief and originally he was going to call it the biology of consciousness which is kind of interesting so but he felt like that word was too slippery and was too much of a trigger for for scientists so 
he changed it, changed it to belief. That's that's okay, you know. So there are absolutely really good scientists, and uh, you know, other people out there. Uh, Nassim Haramain doing very interesting work. Um, I'm not endorsing anybody necessarily. I'm simply saying there are some very bright people who are beginning to look at the world quite differently. Even Dr. Larry Dossie, who is a major, he's an author, and uh, was a cardiologist, and he was a major influence on regenetics. Uh, as it was being created, um, he wrote a book called Healing Words um, and some other, uh, another book or two on the subject of sound healing, basically, and the power of prayer to heal and how that works and then why that works or showing that it works with various uh, kinds of studies. And, you know, he has a, an article that I've republished on my blogs called uh, Why Consciousness is Not the Brain. And he's, you know, looking at this, this non-local phenomenon. He actually has a, a beautiful model that I write about in Potentiate Your DNA, and I add to it where he traces the development of medicine from era one to era two to era three. You may you may have uh, come across that in the book, but in any case, it's era one is the mechanical view of the body. So it's like a body is a machine. It's totally materialistic, and we can do surgery on it or whatever and to help it, but really that's all we can do. And then era two is mind-body medicine, where we begin to understand that we, you know, our minds and our thoughts uh, uh, impact our physiology in all kinds of different ways, and we can heal using our, our minds. But for him, for Dossie, and for me as well, the ultimate trajectory of this development of medicine and science is era three, which is non-local medicine, which is where you're healed by something other than yourself, by a greater thought field, by source or the creator. Now, you might also be that source and that creator in some kind of way, some fractal, non-local way. That's, yeah. that's, that's debatable. I believe that's actually the case. But in any case, um, we're really on the threshold of looking at things from a non-local perspective. And this is where the simulation theory, and I know I'm, I'm on a bit of a rant here, pardon me, but this is where the simulation theory really connects with where I've been going with regenetics for so long, because really what I've been exploring is what is giving rise to the realm that we find ourselves living in and how can we interact with it to better our lives here. Yeah, because how do these scientists explain this one example you did in your book, which was great, how in an ant's colony, when the queen dies, immediately all work stops. Like we have empirical evidence that they are interconnected somehow. Like this, this phenomenon obviously exists. And like, not only that, another example, this is, you know, Jeffrey Epstein actually funded research and he paid a bunch of scientists to study how come people turn around when someone's staring at them. And they were actually finding information and answers. It's almost like there's like the pleb science that they give to the masses, which is like purely material. But then the elites, they understand like spiritual science. Yeah, I mean, Rupert Sheldrake, who's a very gifted scientist, who's very much on this wavelength, wrote a book called The Sense of Being Stared At. It's exactly about this phenomenon. And he came up with the notion of morphic fields and morphogenetic fields that are these non-local consciousness constructs that give rise to what we perceive as material reality. So that's the blueprint level that I was talking about earlier, where you could go in and repattern your blueprint. And I used to think that that blueprint was just another energetic reality connected to this reality. And I used in, in Potentiate Your DNA, I used the, the, uh, a wonderful theory by um, an engineer named Dewey Larson. He wrote a series of books back in the 50s about what he called reciprocal system of physical theory. And that's, that's a mouthful, but I just, I shorten it to reciprocal theory pretty often. In this theory, he posits that we live in space-time and we are connected to an energetic realm that he called time-space. So time-space is the level of blueprints so if you can get over into time space and change what what your blueprint is then it can change you very profoundly and i believe i believe this is the case in wave genetics when you have people like um russian scientists uh peter garayev and vladimir poponin doing wave genetics 
where they're, they're admittedly working in some kind of non-local hyperdimensional level and they're taking like a salamander embryo, they're beaming language frequencies at it with a laser. <laughs> and then they're, they're in real time, that, that embryo transforms into another species. So you might have a frog becoming a salamander or the reverse. Is it turning the frogs gay? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe, you know, the woke generation is being, you know, tampered with in their in their blueprints or something. But, uh, testosterone's going down too. So yeah. there could be something in the water. You know, that, there's another thing I wanted to bring up with you too. I was uh I know that you've done a couple interviews with archaics and I was browsing 4chan last night and there was a big like um uh, forum about archaics on there. And they were like, you know, he recently predicted that like the internet will go down and then a new internet will rise where like a lot of stuff is going to be wiped out. And then um, he talks about that's going to be when the metaverse is going to come out and be like, oh, it happened so that we were offline when the solar flare occurred. And then everybody's going to sign up for the metaverse. It's kind of a cool idea. Like, do you think that there, there's a possibility of that happening? Yeah, I mean, he, he does something called what he calls isometric analysis, and we could quibble over the, the wording of that, you know, whether that's actually the, the most accurate way of describing that. But in any case, isometrics is what he's calling it. And it's a predictive analysis that's based on, on looking at history from the perspective of nodal points, like very important years. And so 1998 is a really important one. And that was given to us by Nostradamus, I believe, and Edgar Casey. And there's reasons why that's an important year. But if you look, if you go backwards and forwards from that year as an example, you end up with stuff that happened in the past. And if you go forward into the future, the same number of years, you can look for very strong correspondences. So, you know, back in time, you have the whole Watergate thing that happened and, and then and Jason was predicting a year ago that something really wild would happen with Biden and he would not finish his term. And I mean, I was watching Steve Turley's uh, latest post today. I, I do that just to keep up with certain uh, ways of looking at the news, not because I'm Republican or anything like that. But he was, you know, his thing was basically that Biden is finished. This classified document stuff is, is the end of the Biden administration for all practical purposes. And, and it's like Watergate all over again. And I believe it's all staged and planned. And yeah. all, yes, of course. But the, this is just showing how this isometric analysis works. I actually sent Jason a little note saying that your predictions strike again, you know, because here, you know, here we go with this. Yeah. He was looking at, uh, looking at where we are now in 2023 through, uh, through a nodal point and connecting it to the Carrington event that happened in the late 1800s when, it sh where, uh, when all of the, uh, the telegra uh, telegraph system was shut down all over the world because there was this huge solar flare. And he was saying, uh-oh. So, so basically all the solar flare programming that we've been given, all this uh, extinction level event stuff, all this conversation that's been going on for a while is really just to sow the seeds so that people will believe it when they do a fake Carrington event sometime this year. And he's saying around September. Hmm. Yeah, when he did the Biden... Um prediction that resonated with me because it's like the mainstream media has been working overtime to cover for biden then all of a sudden they're like saying oh he's he um was Magical, irresponsible. Right? it's all like why are they suddenly turning about on religion or something you know it's like give me a break i mean first of all i'm not convinced that all these talking heads are actually real people and that's a whole uh, uh discussion one could have about what npcs are and how the simulation works but yeah i want to bring that up with you too but go on it, it absolutely is clear to me that they're following a script that is being handed to them and i don't just mean by the uh, the uh, directors of their studios and that kind of thing i mean from some way higher level yeah i have a video on the pyramid of control um, it'll go like, you know, the working class, then the white collar class, then the next is like the academic elites and the media, then on top of that is the governments, and on top of that is like the real elite, which is like, you know, BlackRock, Vanguard, royal families and all that, and it just kind of trickles downwards, mm -hmm. and we live in an unprecedented time where they're getting people to look down instead of up, angry at the working class or being whatever it is, racist, homophobe, instead of looking up and being like, wow, I can't afford my electric bill, but they have a super yacht. 
You know, you don't hear much of that anymore. You just hear of like identity politics. And I mm -hmm. think that it's an artificial social engineering that they're doing on this to get rid of the most dangerous class, which is historically the academic elite from like Simone Boulevard to the Russian Revolution, French Revolution. These are the people that historically look up at the pyramid and say off with their heads. But now they've gotten those people looking down at the working class and angry at them for being perceived racist or whatever. I think that's a great point. I think that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. And um, you mentioned NPCs too. So I don't know if you saw, yeah, you haven't seen my video yet on the frequency matrix, but I think I understand what the NPC thing is. So have you ever heard of uh, the Peace de Sophia, that old Gnostic text? Sure. Definitely. So it, yes, it talks about how there's like three different types of people, the helix, the psychics and the pneumatics. The helix would be like the NPCs. They're only uh, concerned about materialism. Like, oh, when's the sports game going to be on? I got to run some errands, entertainment industry stuff. Then it's the psychics. People are like, yeah, I think something's going on, but I'm not quite sure. I'm kind of distracted in my job right now. Then there's the pneumatics who are like really obsessed with finding truth and stuff. And I think that the vast majority of people are actually psychics. Like, they're not, like, super helic and angry at people who didn't take the jab and stuff. They're just kind of distracted by their day-to-day -day work. But we live at a, at a point in time where they're resonating more with the helic frequency than they are with the pneumatic frequency. But if we enter a stage where things get, like, super real and they can barely afford to eat food, that's when I think a lot of psychics will wake up. And we'll see a lot more people sort of acting more like pneumatics than actually helix. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a couple comments on that. I mean, one, I know that Jason is predicting that we're not going to actually go into scarcity and famine. We're going to go into the opposite. It's going to be, a, you know, a kind of, it's not going to be Orwellian. It's also, it's actually going to be Huxleyan. That we're going to be in a kind of Soma reality where, you know, we don't want for anything. Everything is given to us. It's why they're rolling out universal basic income and helicopter money and all of that. And they're just prepping all of this, they're prepping the metaverse, they're prepping all of these things, digital currency, et cetera, et cetera, because they're actually going to roll us into a reality where we were totally taken off guard because all of a sudden everything seems like it's been worked out. Yeah, and maybe they're going to like feed us some of the, to the masses, some of the elites that people are so angry at, and they're actually going to persecute these people just to make us feel better, to think that everything's been fixed, but really there's whole new like elites behind the scenes still running things well i can promise you that's what's going on we're really just seeing and I've, I've thought this for a while we're just seeing the planned demolition of one wing of the deep state and the implant and the implementing of the uh, another wing it's 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 there's it's really uh meet the new boss same as the old boss uh, nothing's really changing except that we will move away from the leftist patterning that we've been in to far rightist patterning. Yeah. Yeah. I heard Archaic say that and I thought the exact same thing as him too. I mean, I've been, the law seeing, of the I've been seeing it coming. And now with all the stuff that's coming out about the jab and stuff, now they're going after these people and, you know, no amnesty and all this stuff. I and mean, we can see that we're headed into a kind of like pogrom against leftists. And I don't particularly like leftists, but I don't want to see anyone get you know, uh, used and abused uh, in an unfair way. So right. anyway, uh, I, I, I think that's what's coming, unfortunately. Well, that's the thing is like, we got to stop looking at things like leftists or right, because leftists is simply viewing the world through the lens of economic class. And then right is viewing the lens, th the world through the lens of the individual. But the current system we have now is neither. The current system we have is like a corporatocracy. It's like a techno fascist sort of state where identity politics is what like leads their ideology instead of like economics or the powers of the individual. So that's it's like, yeah. So that's what the system represents, because like back in the day, the left was like Occupy Wall Street. They were about unions. And now the left isn't about that anymore. It's about like trans kids and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's truly a back thing. In the, day, the left was about, you know, peace, love and understanding, you know. I yeah. Mean, I mean, we're talking, you know, Woodstock here. So it really the left has been in a kind of like slow moral disintegration for decades, as far as I'm concerned. Right. 
So, yeah, I, that's why it's like, you know, if things start to get more economically difficult, that's when pretty much everyone will be like a traditional leftist. We'll all be viewing things things through the lens of economic class because we'll be at a point where we could like no longer pick ourselves up by our bootstraps with the rugged, rugged individual because it would be like almost impossible. But you're saying that we're probably going to maybe move into an Aldous Huxley sort of world instead of a George Orwell one, which I do see that pattern emerging because under the United Nations, it seems more like a Huxley dystopia. But under China and Russia, I think it would be more of like a George Orwell dystopia if they were to gain power, you know? Yeah, maybe so. I mean, my belief is that that China and Russia are playing their part to you know perfection in in this this is not a nationalistic thing we can see what's happening just in the united states but really this this song and dance this waltzing back and forth of the of the world is happening from the controller level that controls all of these governments so all of this ukrainian stuff where russia can't seem to ever win the war that so many people think they will who are you know truthers and that kind of thing i mean they're just it's just a massive wag the dog the whole thing is none of it's real i mean i'm not saying people aren't getting hurt i'm saying that you know they're doing kind of this thing like that happened in vietnam where they would take one hill and then they would surrender it and go take the adjacent hill and then surrender it and go take the hill that they gave up and go yeah it's like world war one all over again you know it's just well that this happened in vietnam what i'm describing it might happen in world war one but um (laughs) You know, I think it did actually with the trenches and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so this appears to be and you you know that that's a that is a signature of the people, the the um, the banker class, the deep state high level class. They're the ones who control all of these wars and they do the same thing over and over again. So we're just looking at patterns when you can identify the same patterns, you know, it's the same people. And I don't necessarily mean the same physical people but the i believe that there is a controller level that is absolutely non-physical that is atemporal um you can call that the lord archon the demiurge artificial intelligence x doesn't really Mm -hmm. matter to me and we can you know talk a lot about (laughs) what what that thing is and where it exists but in any case there is something that is manipulating history in a very similar way over and over and over again I think, yeah, it's because we let them, we just accept the narrative that is given before us. And I talk about in the frequency matrix, how there's like two major frequencies. There's a sad frequency and the God frequency. And sad is actually an acronym for Satan, Ariman, Demiurge. Because I don't want to just say one of those things because everybody has like a negative stigma to each of those ideas, but they're all basically the same thing. And it's like, we are like, our brains are like radios and we keep tuning to this weird sad frequency instead of the god frequency and it's like you can't destroy the frequency because that's like saying you can destroy a wave on a beach it's just a frequency but what you can do is get the radios to tune away from it so like that's something i think that the truth community can do is like i know it sounds naive to say like wake people up but i feel like we can help people move away from that frequency I think we can help some people. I think other people are moving away from that frequency as fast as their little feet will will take them. So you're saying yeah. that the, the Satan Araman demiurge is the standard American diet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because in the United States, fast food is so convenient. So it's difficult to actually take the time to cook something healthy. And it's like, even when I buy food at the grocery store, I find out later, like, oh, that product's actually really bad for me, even though I tried to act healthy. <laughs> you <know? laughs> you got to just get your field up really high. Get your, get your uh, you know, Jason likes to say the informed field. I say raise your frequency or whatever, you know. It's, it's, it's harder for things to hurt you at a certain level. I believe, I believe consciousness ultimately is primary. And when you're vibrating, for lack of a better word, at a certain level, it's just hard for things to hurt you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's like, that's, of course, the little me and big me thing, too. Because if you're operating as a big me, like your world is going to reflect that more. And there's truth behind that. And it's like, I also said, like, um, you can tell if someone's acting like a helic or a pneumatic, depending on how much power they give away. Like, for example, a helic is very controlled by their emotions. So it's easy to trigger them because when you give your power away, the emotions control you instead of you controlling your emotions. So that's why they act like that. But a pneumatic, it's very hard to trigger them because they keep their power inside of them. I like that. I like that. You could probably throw shaman in that. In that uh, yeah. 
too, because you've got yeah. somebody who's working on, I call it conscious personal mastery. That's what I describe it as and potentiate your DNA. And I list the various characteristics that make up this pursuit or, or the accomplishment of, of this uh, desired way of being. And it's uh, can be a lifelong pursuit for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on now is like combining my idea of like how the pyramid works with using social engineering to make us look down instead of up. And then the idea of how on a metaphysical level, our reality works with the frequency matrix. And it's like, we can actually, if we get people to start looking up instead of down, I think really start to change things. Um, I know that you're, you're probably not like as into politics as I am potentially. Right. I follow it. You know, I, I, I follow it from a curiosity standpoint. I also look at it from a prediction standpoint. So I'm trying to, you know, see if, um, if what I think is happening is happening. And that's, that gives me clues to the future. If the, the, the pattern is, is, uh, intact. Yeah. And it's I don't like, believe, I don't believe in political solutions, period. I don't believe in political. I don't believe. Yeah, I know. I don't blame it because I always struggle between the two. It's like, can we change things with politics? But it's not just like changing things politically. It's like, I believe like culture is what downstream from politics, as the saying goes. So if we can really change culture, I think politics will really just fall in line. Just like, for example, I think if we really focus on like, the right wing party and get like good people who care about the United States in there, then I think the other side would just kind of fall in line if that were to magically happen. But it's basically impossible because of like, you know, the, the deep state and everything. Well, it's not even so much the deep state, although, yeah, it's playing a role. You're absolutely right about that. And it keeps things a certain way. But I think it's more it, it's it's weirder. It's freakier than that. It's that we're living a script. That the world that we're in is a narrative world. We're literally inside some kind of story that's materializing around us like a video game. Hmm. And you can you you really cannot change the architecture of the video game. You can only play really well or really poorly in the video game. Yes. So as you as you level up in this world, you would gain more power. You would gain perhaps freedom or uh, levels of freedom. But to think that you could change the video game necessarily, it's kind of putting the, the cart before the horse. I've always been very attracted to the, the old adage, heal yourself, heal the world. Yeah. So I really think that we only need to be thinking about ourselves. When we're thinking about the world, we're already um, we're already basically giving away our power to something that we don't really have any power over. We only have power over ourselves. See. And we, when, we, when we focus at that level, I do believe we heal the world. It might only be your world, however. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I even said that in the, in the video on the frequency matrix is if you focus on like um, harnessing your own power, it sounds selfish because you're not giving any of your power away, but you actually do make the world a better place. So that's 100% accurate, I believe. But like, what if someone's um, expression of their power is to be involved with like local politics, or national politics? What if that is an expression of, of them stepping into their power, you know? Oh yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any judgment about how people are spending their time or how they're trying to change things. But I think that if people continue to believe that there is some external construct that can be changed, and that they're going to change it, they're set up for disempowerment and for uh, a lot of disappointment, really. And none of that's conducive to living a better life. I think there are some people who engage political activism, uh, environmental activism, that kind of thing, as a, as a, learning, uh, a learning environment, as a learning activity, where they, you know, they, they, they like actually talking about it and they like uh, being around people who care about this kind of thing. But it's just like anything else. It's like going to school in a way. And I don't, I'm not sure they, they believe that they're ultimately going to save the world, but, but they, they are, uh, I know people like this, they're very happy to contribute even in a small way to greater awareness and potentially better outcomes.
Right. I think it's important. Like, what's your mentality going into it? Are you going into it like, I'm going to change the world or die trying? Are you doing it like, you know, this is a good learning experience for me. I get to meet a lot of like-minded people and whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to step into my own power. And I think if you go about about it that way, then that's completely healthy. But a lot of people go about it in a very non-healthy way. It would seem because there's so much attachment to it, you know? Right. That's it. Mm -hmm. And there's expectation. And really, again, if you're, if you're, if you're maintaining attachment and expectation relative to something external to yourself, that is sort of by definition, giving your power away. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but again, if we like step into our own power and that happens to manifest in like politics and okay, go for it, but just make sure you have the right mentality. And that goes into like what you've talked about in your book, how like we're all connected through our DNA on, I think you said morphogenetic level. So mm -hmm. it's like, if you're feeling really empowered and you're making moves and you're doing what you need to do, like that will branch out to everybody else and their DNA will like vibrate with that. I think there's something to that. People can also shield and shelter themselves by maintaining a certain frequency so maybe maybe you maybe you help some people maybe you'll loosen up some people and maybe you completely turn off other people because they become even more uh protectionist if they if they perceive that this consciousness this energy that you're bringing through is going to shatter their worldview in a in a way that's not not acceptable i think that that also happens and i i really believe we're in a, in a massive bifurcation right now where you have people waking up in droves and you have people going to sleep in droves i know I, it is a bifurcation and i know this because like i um at first in college i was very liberal so like a lot of my old friends are still like extremely liberal and which is there's no problem with that i still have a lot of those values but um i was looking at one of their like uh instagram stories the other day and they shared some story where they're like, uh, Republicans are telling lower income people what they can and cannot eat. And they're telling them they can only eat canned food. It was like this ridiculous made up story. And it's like, where are you getting this information? And I can't even imagine the horror that they're living in in their world where they think that people from a certain political party are telling people what they can't and can't eat based on their economic class. And it's like, is this... And it's like, it goes into simulation theory where we create our own reality. And I'm like, are they living in like an alternate reality from me? Like, you can't help but think that sometimes when you see people like share these ideas that are so outside your scope of understanding. I think that's a, a very good way of looking at it. And it actually opens up a level of understanding, you know, in your own mind. And it can decrease judgment just to see that people are actually experiencing the world differently in radical in radical ways and when you understand that you don't have to agree with what they're saying or doing and you don't have to let them do certain things to you <laughs> or your family or people you love i mean you can certainly stand up for yourself but it gives you i don't know something approaching compassion because here we are all in this fog really of uh you know uh, of a uh, simulated holography where we, it's just impossible to tell exactly what's going on. We're doing our best and everyone else is really doing their best. I know my mother always used to say, everyone is always doing their best. And I, for years and years and years, I just fought her over this concept. And it's, you know, it's, it's taken me the better part of half a century to actually accept that she was right, that we, we really are all just doing our best. Um, because we're in a um, a very challenging situation and it's meant to be. It, yeah, it is challenging. And especially in today's times, I don't think there's been like a more interesting time period in all of human history, really, with like the internet, the amount of control, like these, the leadership class has on us. It's actually kind of cool. And I'm glad I'm like kind of aware about what's going on to an extent. And I heard someone say today, they're like, you know, a lot of people say 2030 is when like, uh, you know, shit's really going to hit the fan. But he's like, I think that that's like false information being spread out there because actually it's probably more like 2025 and it's right around the corner. But they want to make us think that it's way further in the future. Do you think that, that something like that will ever occur? Or do you think that it's like around the corner or down the line? I just keep thinking that all of these plants like Agenda 2030 and stuff are red herrings. They're fear mongering. They're meant to distract us from actually looking at what's going on, which is we're being there is a kind of soft coup happening 
by the technocrats where they're going to introduce this Huxleyan world. Hmm. It's not going to be bad. There might be war and there might be some famines and this kind of thing like there always are. But I believe that we're going to see the United States get a lot stronger. It's going to get more econo uh, economically stable. It's going to bring back a lot of manufacturing. Everyone's going to be really excited about this. And it's going to morph into something a little bit more like a handmaid's tale where it's going to be really controlled by a kind of Christian right. Hmm. Uh, you know, Jason likes to say Christian Reich, and I think that's probably where it's going to go, because it seems to me that they have to counterbalance the far left uh, direction we've been going in. So that super Bolshevik way of uh, being with a super fascist way. So that's that's where we're headed. If, if you know, if, if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly. Yeah, it's like in the Kabbalion, it talks about the law of the pendulum. If you go really far one way, the pendulum will come the other way. But talking. at the same time, it's like we need to have a more of a, an America first sort of mentality and, and bring that manufacturing back to the United States. So I just hope that doesn't really manifest in a super totalitarian way. Well, all I would say to that is we are such powerful creators, you know, even with these massive cataclysms, like you had um, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah in in the bible and in, in in the history in history related to the bible and just right down the road was this little city i think it might have been called zella i can't i can't remember just completely intact no one was harmed so we might have all this crazy stuff going around and i would say we will have it it's already happening it's just going to accelerate and our way through it is to go within and to pursue our own empowerment and our own detachment from the external, from the outcomes, from all of all of the uh, ways that we can give away our power, that we can be parasitized, siphoned off, that kind of thing. We have to go inside. And really the path in leads out because that's the way out of the simulation. Yeah, I've been focusing on like being in my own power lately. Like I have it set up right now with my house. I have my own well. I got my own water here. I got like a garden in the back. I'm about to buy some chickens to be just like self-sufficient. Awesome. Are you are you like kind of thinking like that at all? Are you preparing at all or anything? No, I'm really not. I mean, I've got some food put away and some equipment if I had to fish and that kind of thing. But really, you know, if it, if it went there, I would be hard put to uh, to survive for any length of time. I mean, I'm ready to go. If I go, I go. I just yeah. don't think it, I, just really, I just don't think that's where everything is going. I think that we're looking at something closer to what you're talking about between 2040 and 2046. Yeah, I've heard that the Phoenix event. And it's like, I, I resonate with what you're saying, because that fits with like what the World Economic has been, Forum has been talking about with Harari, who says that we have a huge class of useless eaters. And the way we deal with them is to basically give them a virtual reality that they can just sit in and eat food and whatever, and they're fine. It, it does seem like they don't want to just like mass exterminate people. They just want to mass put people in a, in a metaverse, really. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I believe that the, the, um, the artificial intelligence aspect, the demiurgic aspect of the simulation does have an energy source, it has to, and that the energy source is essentially us when we give away our power to it. And that's that's a kind of fancy way of defining what I think of as louche. So that we're being, it's a, it's a really what it is, is a, an appropriation of someone else's energy who's, you know, who's not properly uh being a proper steward of that energy and so there it is I, I, it's for the taking there's a some kind of consensual thing going on but i then i can take your energy and that's yeah. just the operating system yeah that's that's a huge element of this world and it's like i feel like if you're into spirituality you got to mention that like if you can't all be love and light even though that should probably be the focus of it because we create our own reality but we also have to acknowledge i think the darker aspects here Sure, sure. Only by doing that will we ever really approach the truth, you know. This is a, a very, very dark reality, but it is, you know, walking through this tunnel that we come out into the light again in some capacity. Yeah. And um, we mentioned the 2040 Phoenix Phenomenon event, and that's always been kind of interesting to me, too. And I remember I heard Jason talk about it, and he said, like, I, like, the ground will get will turn into sand and people will be like swallowed into the earth 
And it's like, I could see a major event happening, but I'm not sure like specifically if that would happen, you know? Well, he's just basing, he's not saying necessarily what will happen, where exactly. He's seeing, he's seeing the 2040 Phoenix event as much more negatively impacting the Far East so that, you know, that China and other areas are going to be targeted and there might be very, very serious problems there. But that in terms of the rest of the world, it may not be uh, much of anything. But what, what he's predicting will happen is that that will initiate the return of the vapor canopy. This is the biblical firmament. And we could get into the, some of the science or how that works. But basically, you get a bunch of vulcanization, uh, vulcanization and all this... Uh, this uh, debris thrown up into the atmosphere, and you, uh, it ends up uh, in the mesosphere being able to, to uh, essentially draw up a portion of the, uh, the water on the surface of the earth, the oceans, into a, a second ocean overhead, and it creates a completely different environment. Solar won't work, wind won't work in that environment for, for various reasons. And uh, so that's another reason that we're being led down this this uh, EV path, the solar wind farms and uh, the wind farms and the solar the solar power because they're, we're being set up to fail under the vapor canopy, which is not even that far away. And then six years later, you have the Nemesis event, which you know will be a, a much grander destruction of of the infrastructure of the world. So um, you know, again, this is this is what the collective is set up to experience. Yeah, people who are beginning to do their their inner work, the the errants, the wanderers, the so, you know the sojourners, the free thinkers, these people are going to have dramatically different experiences of these coming years. Yeah, it'll be an empowering of like the errants, probably. I think so, absolutely. More and more so as people just just drop out and start creating totally. Uh, parallel systems, economies, communities, ignoring the rules, <laughs> just yeah. giving a real big fat finger to the hierarchy and doing their own thing. And the crazy thing is, is that for the most part, I'm not telling anyone to do anything necessarily illegal or anything like that, but for the most part, it would seem you'll get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah because i saw recently like google is doing mass layoffs and youtube's owned by google and not only that but like less and less like kids are being born so it's like how are they gonna have the population to like withhold their regime and it's gonna get to a point where the dominant cultural narrative will no longer be defensible it'll be so obvious that they're incompetent that the majority will just walk away yeah some of that's already happening for sure you know this this uh this last few years has really been a uh, a wake up call for some for some of us, and even if that's just a partial wake up call, that's which it is for most people looking at at the jab and and uh, you know the, the 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 larger reality here is that we're dealing with a medical paradigm that is just a construct, you know. So this idea that these little creatures can get in you and hurt you and that kind of thing is you know it's just it's just a mental thought form. It's really not real, but they've made it real by conditioning people to project that reality. Yeah. So you're getting into like germ theory and all that. Yeah. But I'm, what I'm saying is, is that germ theory versus terrain theory isn't like one is right and one is wrong. It's like, which is the stronger thought form? And yes. right now, germ theory is the by far the stronger thought form. So that's what the world is experiencing. I like that. Oh my God, that could go into like flat earth and globe earth too, right? It, it absolutely can, and it should. And all of these things are but stepping stones into simulation theory and the real nature of what's going on here. Yeah, like, you know, I, I had David Weiss on my show and talked to him and like a lot of people gave me shit for that, but it's like- I had him too on mine. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's like, I mean, whether you agree or not, he's a very likable guy. He's really cool. He's very charming. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I'm just like, guys, the focus here is to make sure you're talking to people who are off the dominant frequency, the dominant cultural narrative, which is demonic. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with flat earthers, at least, you know, they're off of that like frequency. That's what's important. That's off to everybody who's looking at things differently, who's willing to stand up and say something that some people might think is absolutely crazy. You know, we're all crazy, really, from a shamanic perspective 
perspective, we're all absolutely nuts. Yeah. So, you know, and the only way you, you get sane is by allowing yourself to go fully insane in a, in, in, a, in a certain way in that shamanic mindset. And when you do, it's almost like you turn inside out and you see things clearly. Yeah. Because I mean, it's not a good indicator of mental well-being to be well-adjusted to a messed up world. So all yeah, these people who that, think they're the normal ones, it's like, yeah, our reality's fucked up. Is that a George Carlin? I can't remember. Is it some There's somebody famous who said something like that that I always love. Yeah, I forget. It's a, it's a quote, and uh, it might have been George Carlin, yeah. Yeah, but um, this has been a really – what else have you been working on right now? What, what's your next project? Yeah, whoa. So I've got a couple books I'm bringing out this year that I'm really excited about. The first one I hope to have out in the next couple of months, it's called Musings from a Small Island. It's a memoir from 2019, so pre-pandemic, and it's very interesting. It's almost like this strange little idyllic memoir in some ways, but it also forecasts into what happened, you know, right after 2019 in terms of some of the trends I was tracking. So I'm self-illustrating it, so it's because I'm also a visual artist, so the book has, you know, like 150 plus uh, illustrations or paintings of mine uh, really uh, spread throughout the text that kind of line up with the text. And it takes place on an island in the deep south that will remain unnamed at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's musings from a small island. And then I am, I am uh, going to be publishing a book called Beginner's Luke, Adventure of an Imaginary Lifetime, which is I've been saying for a while, I, I wrote it years ago. I wrote the bulk of it years ago. And I published the first three volumes of six. And I just didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to market it. I didn't know how to find my audience. And uh, I actually was offered a, a, a publishing contract by a very well-respected New York publisher that I turned down before going on that failed, uh, that failed journey uh, of self-publishing with that particular uh, this particular book, which I broke up from one big book into six books. So now I'm reissuing the whole thing as I initially intended it to be. And um, it is kind of like the, it is sort of like on the road meets, um, you know, Hunter S. Thompson meets simulation theory, hmm. meets, you know, something else. It's about this guy who really just goes through a series of, essentially of life simulations and he just keeps going and learning and rebooting and 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 moving forward and it's all done through his imagination hmm. so there's walter mitty in there you know there's also uh some other some other influences uh people who have been writing about this kind of thing for a long time there's a, a french writer named roman gary that i really like uh, uh, there's some other writers that i'm drawing from but but the book itself is just this massive multi-layered story that's very picaresque very very irreverent and uh sexually explicit at times over the top completely out of control it's a wild ass ride so you know i'm looking forward to bringing that one out that's yeah that's really cool i like that idea you know when i start writing a book i'll ask you for some ideas too um yeah i'm, I'm here nice because yeah the couple of ideas i've been thinking of is like how about like a practical step-by-step -step guide to living in our simulation is one idea for a book. And another one is like, I think the world needs like a modern day animal farm book. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to come back. Um, so those are my ideas. And um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, again, step-by-step -step guide, because I, I have a book on my Substack, an ebook uh, called um, playing in the magic. Uh, and it's, it is a guide for how to, how to live and sort of survive and thrive in the, in the simulation. Oh, really? And that's, um, is that on your YouTube channel? There's a link or something? com. playing in the magic. There are two levels. There's a free subscriber level, and then there's a paid subscriber level, like a Netflix or something like that. And so this one is actually for uh, paid subscribers. You can read like the first several chapters of the, of the ebook. Okay. The whole thing is a, is a paid thing. Yeah, I'll check that out. Because I follow you on Telegram. You have a very active uh, t Telegram with a lot of followers, and I, I like seeing that. So... Yeah, I'll tell people, definitely check out Saul on Telegram. Uh, where else can people find you? 
Well, Soligman, um, .substack.com, crowrising.com, and then on YouTube, I'm Crow Rising, Crow Like the Bird. So just find my channel, Crow Rising, and I'm doing a lot of really cool content. I've got, um, I'm going to be interviewing Waters Above next week. It does really cool crypto analysis with mm -hmm. gematria and astrology. And, oh. and, and so I've got, I'm going to be going on autodidactic uh, channel uh, upcoming, uh, big Australian channel and and then um, Jason and I are going to be doing a third round three here in the next uh, several weeks. And that'll be, uh, that'll be a big one. Nice. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I've recently gotten to like sort of Gematria numerology myself a little bit. Like, do you like Gary, the numbers guy? I don't know. I mean, I just know the name. I know there's also Tom numbers and some other people who are, you know, into that. And then there's decode your reality with Logan and, um, so, but I, I haven't gotten into Gary's work. Is that, what channel is that? Uh, it's just look up Gary, the numbers guy. I don't know if he's still on YouTube. He might've been banned actually. I know he was kicked off of Twitter. Um, but yeah, you got to do some digging for him, but I, he's sometimes pretty interesting. He like uh, correctly guessed the, the Cavs playoffs, which was hard to guess because they were down like three, one in the playoffs and then came back and won. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. And he's done. Yeah. A bunch of cool predictions. Um, so yeah, I recommend it. But um, yeah, so I, I think that's about most of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Maybe we can do this again once I uh, come up with more questions for you. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks, for, thanks so much for having me on. This was fun. It's always fun to, uh, you know, talk with someone who can who can really think and articulate. So you do that very well, and I appreciate it. Thank you, man. You as well. That's why I was looking forward to this. So yeah, I'm going to continue reading your book. And uh, yeah, again, people, I really recommend it. Potentiate your DNA. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks again, Saul. You take care. You too. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.